Morning. How are you guys doing? So welcome to all you guys who are here. Here We're starting to see kind of our rooms here fill up, and that's exciting. Welcome to all of you who are also online, wherever and whenever you are. Uh, today is Mother's Day, and I just want to ask you, where would we be without our moms, right? I mean, literally, where would we be without our moms? So we celebrate our moms today. We celebrate the love that we have for them and the, the grace that God really the gift of life that God has given to us even through them. And so today we just want to celebrate that together. Um, You know, wherever you are, you need to know God is with you, wherever, whenever you are kind of joining us on this broadcast. So we welcome you uh, in your living room. Some of you guys are having breakfast at your dining room tables. Um, We know that God is with you. We know that God is here as well. Amen? God is with us. God is the one who both holds us but also is the one who holds us together. And so we are thankful that he is here. We are in a series about the spirit of God and the spirit of God is not limited to that one space. He, he uh, is everywhere with us and joins us together. Um, as I'm looking out over this room, uh, we here at Christ Church, we have some really comfortable chairs. You guys look pretty comfortable this morning. I want to just remind you, don't get too comfortable. Um, we've seen that happen as well. Or you start, you know, you may have been up late last night, but you get kind of get kind of comfortable. Um, those of you who are at home too, I imagine that you're you are uh, in a place that's comfortable. You're in a couch. You're in your favorite chair. Now, that being said, I want you guys to turn to somebody right now who's sitting next to you, maybe right next to you, maybe across the room. At home, you can text in the chat. You can maybe just text a friend randomly. They'll love it. But I want you to tell. Ready? You got your person picked out. Find your person. Tell them get ready. Oh, come on, you're better than that. Tell them, get ready. Things are about to get uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, right? Because God's word, it brings us comfort. I've been telling you guys, this from beginning to end is a book of hope, right? It's God's message of hope for us. In times like this, but just because God's word brings comfort doesn't mean that he always makes it comfortable, right? Get ready. Things are about to be uncomfortable. Let's stand together. We're going to hear from God's word today. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, the followers of Jesus were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and these tongues of fire rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So here they were sitting together. They were pretty comfortable at the time, and then the Spirit showed up. And all of a sudden, he led them into a life that you read the rest of the book of Acts, and it wasn't so comfortable, right? It was a good life. It was God was with them and comforting them, but it didn't mean that it was all that comfortable because he came and spoke to them. He came and shaped them out of the fire out of the fire. And we need to know that when God comes, he comes and he shapes us and he speaks to us out of the fire. Amen? Father, this morning we want to hear from you. We want to hear from that same spirit who's speaking to us out of the fire. And it may be comforting, but it may also have that element that's just not that comfortable. It stirs things up. It leads us in places sometimes that we're not sure we want to go. But Father, in all of that, we pray that we would lean into that fire. We would lean into 
where you are leading us and how you are shaping us because we know you are good. We know your love never leaves us and never fails us and that your faithful to, faithfulness to us has always been and will always be. Always be for our best and always be leading us in the best possible way to get to the best possible place. Your intentions and your goodness that was intended for us from the beginning. So Father, help us to hear your word. Help us to listen to your spirit. Help us not to shy away from the work that he desires to do in us. We pray this for your glory. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. We pray this by the power of of your Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us today. Amen. Have a seat. Again, back in your comfort zones. You know, when I was in high school, my mom, and and this was my senior year of high school specifically, my mom uh, had this tradition of she would gather a bunch of people over at our house for brunch after Thanksgiving. So on this particular Saturday morning, we had about 20 to 25 people that were gathered, and we had just finished up the breakfast and the adults had split out, and they were out in the living room, and they're chatting away, and the, the little kids were upstairs doing whatever the little kids do upstairs. And then, and then all the, the teenage, you know, young adults, we were in the living room, in the dining room, not dining room, in the family room, and we're just hanging out, because that's what we did, right? You just hang out. I, I can't even remember what we were doing, just hanging out. Well, my little sister comes running down from upstairs and she says, you guys quit playing with the garage door opener because it's rumbling the floor upstairs and it's messing up what we're doing. Well, one, we didn't care, right? <laughs> but two, we didn't know what she was talking about. And we told her that. And so, so she went and she looked out the garage door to see what was going on, what was making the, the garage door go up and down. And what she saw was that what was causing the garage door to trip up and down was a fire raging in the corner of the garage. <laughs> and because the garage door had just opened up and it got this fresh burst of new, you know, new fresh air, it was now a fire that was covering the wall of the garage. So suddenly this real comfortable, laid back, kind of, you know, Saturday morning brunch, it became a madhouse. I mean, people are running around, they're grabbing their coats and their keys and, and they're, they're running. We grab our dog and our cat you know, they're, they're shouting through in the hallways and doing head counts on the way out the door, right? And, and this is the days before, before cell phones. So my mom's over there on the landline, right? Can't leave the house till you call 911, even though it may be burning down around. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, we have a fire. Uh-huh. I'm trying to call. Be as calm as I can, but you got to get. So mayhem right? We're just, it's just mayhem on the way out. We get outside, people are moving their cars as far down the street as they can get them, right? Our neighbors are moving their cars as far down the street as they can get them. Our cars are in the garage. And, and then we just stood in the, in the cul-de-sac that we lived on, and we just watched our house burn. And it looked like we were losing everything. Now, thankfully, fire codes had required them to put this firewall between the garage and the house for just such occasions. And so it kept it. But at the time, literally, there was a a wall of fire across the front of the house that looked like it was taking the whole thing. You guys, that was uncomfortable. And even after the, the firefighters had put out the fire and they left, they had left this kind of soggy, sooty house, 
that was unlivable for a while till we got it. It wasn't burned down and we we're thankful for that, but for, for several months, we couldn't be there. Now, I mentioned this was my senior year, right? So my senior year, much of it was lived out of a suitcase, out of my friend's house in their spare bedroom for um, homecoming, for prom, for, you know, all those special events that happen usually on a senior year of high school. And there I am. You guys, that was uncomfortable. Because fire, that's, I mean, fire can do that. And you know, you know what had caused the fire? We found out that they had done their investigation. They did their investigation and they found out that it was caused by some ashes we had put out the, night, the day before. In fact, I think it was just that morning as we got ready for all these people to come in. Ashes that we had let sit in the fireplace for several days, for a couple of days to let them cool off. We knew you're supposed to do that, but then we had put them out into the garage. And we found out from the firefighters that, that yeah, well, ashes, actually, they remain live for about 36 hours, not just 24. I mean, it's so close, but now just enough so that this fire that we had built in our fireplace for comfort and for, you know, atmosphere, for ambiance, right? It had been this, this very comforting kind of thing for us. That same fire had then caused this other fire that was very uncomfortable, that had driven us out of our home and really made for a bad senior year. Because that's kind of what fire does. Fire has been a part of human life and human existence for a long time, right? We use it, we use it to warm ourselves. We use it to light our spaces. We use it to cook our food. We use it to purify metals and to clear fields. We use it for a lot of stuff, but we also know in all of that, we know that fire can destroy things. We've seen that as well. And so it's been this really kind of uh, uncomfortable, kind of tenuous, risky kind of a partnership that we've had with fire. Because at the same time, it can be that comforting thing, but it can also be that very uncomfortable thing. It can make life very uncomfortable. Isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit came and showed up and showed himself on all those, that er, the early believers, that first kind of gathering of God's, when he was birthing this thing called the church, these followers of Jesus, that he came and he revealed himself as fire. Fire. God's presence when he comes, I think we've all experienced this, it's, it can be a comfort, right? But God's presence can also be very uncomfortable. And his spirit came as fire. What do I mean by that? I mean, we love it. We love it when we're in worship at times. We're in worship and we feel like God shows up. We get like those tingly feelings or we just get that, like that warm blanket that just everything's right with the world because God's here. We love that. We love when God goes out. In Deuteronomy 9, it says that God goes out at times and he goes ahead of us and he just almost like clears a path like firewood. He just takes out any obstacle, anything that would be ruining our lives or, or, or blocking our way and he just goes ahead of us and we love that. We love when we feel like we're in a dark place or a cold world and God becomes that one who he comes in like a fire and he lights up that space or he just gives us that warmth. We love that. But we don't love it so much when that same consuming flame is turned in on, let's say, a pet sin, right? 
or, or a, a pet habit. That we just think, we, we, because we also, we love just kind of hanging out and having those gossipy conversations with our, with our gang, right? We just love that. We love, we love having that, being able to pursue kind of that consumeristic pursuit of the better, the bigger, the, the shinier stuff. We love it when, when even at times we, we take our favorite kind of medication of choice and we overindulge a bit and it, it kind of takes us out, out of this world and really separates us from people that love us a lot. We love that feeling. We love, we love the places that the culture has drawn the lines where we win, even if it means that others lose. We love the feeling of power where people have to listen to what we say even if we haven't totally thought out how what we say impacts their lives. We love those things. But we really don't love it when God starts messing with those things that we love. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes our world kind of uncomfortable. But Hebrews 12.29 tells us that our friendship with God can be that same kind of tenuous, that same kind of risky partnership because our God is a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy, where that verse is taken from, it goes on and says, and our God is a jealous God. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to have any other gods in front of us. He doesn't want us on any other plans for our development, but the one that is best for us that comes from his hand. And so our God is a consuming fire, and when he speaks to us or when he shapes us, he does it out of the fire. And that's uncomfortable at times. It's very comforting, but uncomfortable at times. Now, in this world, we have grown to fear the fire, haven't we? And part of it, because in this world, fire is, uh, it's, fire is random. Fire is reckless. It's uncontrollable. Fire is tragic. You never hear a great story about a wildfire, right? Never hear a great story. I got to tell you about the day my house burned down. It was awesome, right? No. Fire is, we fear fire, and often we associate the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God in those same ways. If we really understood how committed God is to our best, and, and the Bible says not just our best, but better than we can even imagine. If we knew how committed God was to that, we would not fear his fire. We would not fear the work that he does we would not fear anything, but that fear is what makes us uncomfortable. What we need to understand about God's fire is his fire is never random, never random. It's always intentional, right? God's work always, he's always removing what needs to be removed. He's always empowering what needs to be empowered. And he only removes the bad. He only empowers the good. God's fire is never reckless. It's always creative. It's never that. God is not a God of destruction. He's not just kind of just willy-nilly, just randomly destroying things in our lives. He is taking things out because he is a God of creation. And for him to create what needs to be there, there are times that things need to be moved out of the way. I will never be able to develop a, a, a heart of generosity like God has that reflects his heart if I don't get rid of my own habit, my own heart of greed first, right? But we don't always like it when God does that work. I will never know the freedom that God intends for my life 
until I, I remove, and, and God removes that, that, that addiction that holds me in, as a prisoner in bondage first. But we don't always like that work, do we? It's uncomfortable. But God is not, he's not reckless. He is creative. He's for our good. And, and the third thing is God, God's, God's fire stories are never tragic. God's fire stories always end up, he says, I, I'm working all things for the good for those who are called to my purposes, those who love me, right? They're never tragic. They're always triumphant. And if we could trust God in that, you know, in this world, you never hear that great story about the, you know, the firestorm out in California. Oh, it's awesome. Burned acres. It took out houses and destroyed lives. It was so, no, you don't hear those stories. You hear, but... God's fire always brings something worth bragging about. We can lean into the fire because it always will bring something worth bragging about. To the point that in the New Testament it says, Paul said, I will boast in nothing except the death, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And you go, what a horrible event. What a tragedy in human history. But God's saying, no, that was the greatest triumph. Because God's fires will never be tragic. Ultimately, they will always bring good. You know, one of the first times that God showed himself to anyone, that he introduced himself personally face-to-face was to Moses. So Exodus chapter 3, and where was it? It was out of the fire. Right? Moses is out there watching his father-in-law's sheep, and he sees this bush, and he thinks this bush is burning, but it's really interesting because the bush is not being consumed by the fire. So he said, says in Exodus, he said to himself, I need to go check this out. So he did. He walks over there, and then God speaks out of the fire, out of that burning bush. And you know what he did? He called him to go to Egypt. Well, the problem is, is Moses is a wanted man in Egypt. There's a price on his head in Egypt. They're going to kill him in Egypt. But God says, I'm gonna, you need to go to Egypt. I go, oh, that's just starting out good, right? And then he says he's going to go tell the Pharaoh, you need to let God's people, you need to let my people go. Now, the problem was, was that the people of God were part of Pharaoh's kind of slave labor force that was building all these great monuments to his greatness and his magnificence. So the Pharaoh wasn't going to like this, this message that Moses was bringing either. Needless to say, that was a bit uncomfortable for Moses. And then you think about the details of this little story, because here's Moses. He's 80 years old at this point. 80 He's just spent the last 40 years rebuilding his life after he kind of ran out of Egypt the first time. And he's finally built up his life. He has a wife. He has a family. And, uh, and he's probably looking at this bush and he's thinking, you know, this is going to be a great story to tell everybody around the, the, the fire tonight at the tent. This is going to be the best story. My father-in-law is going to be impressed my kids are going to be impressed. My wife, she's going to think this is awesome what happened out there. But instead, God speaks out of that fire and he burns Moses' life down. That life went out the window and he gave him instead this other really uncomfortable life where he has to go and talk to kings, confront kings about things that they don't want to hear to lead God's people to places they don't want to go. He says, but this is uncomfortable, but this is God speaking out of the fire. 
And he does it so that a greater good than we can even imagine could come. Now, I want you to think of something. Today's Mother's Day, and we want to celebrate. We celebrate our own moms, right? We celebrate all you moms that are among us. We, we are so thankful for the, just the investment that you make in lives. We, we celebrate those who invest in the lives of others who aren't even their own kids at times. And there are those of you who, who have invested in lives as if you were. You have taken on almost the burden of a mom in the lives of others at times. And we want to celebrate all of that. That's a good thing. But on this Mother's Day, I want us, I want us to think about this story of Moses. Because Moses was married at this time. <laughs> and he has a wife and he has two, he has two kids. And he's going to, and, and so guys, you know, some of you guys are getting ready. You know, you're going to take the moms out and all the kids. You're going to celebrate, you know, Mother's Day together. And uh, I, want you to Moses, I want you to imagine this. Moses comes home after this thing, and he's going to talk to his wife, right? And let's say it's Mother's Day. He says, you know, Zipporah, <laughs> that was her name, Zipporah, a, a funny thing happened today, right? And it's kind of like you're always trying, you're going to love this. But God told me that we're going to have to leave all this. They're 80 years old, right? We're going to leave all this, and we're going to go down to Egypt and tell the king something he absolutely doesn't want to hear. Doesn't that sound great? That's God speaking out of the fire. But imagine where we'd be if Moses had not let God burn his life to the ground and replace it with this other thing. Imagine where we would be if Moses hadn't followed God and said, I'm just going to trust you in that. Fire in the Bible, you know, is used for a couple of things. It's used for several things. One, you know, it's used for all the normal stuff. It talks about heating food up and, and warming, you know, at night when it's cold and bringing light. It, it talks about those things. But it also talks about two very specific things where God actually gave his people his own fire kind of from his own hand. And it was for the purposes that were going to be in the temple. And it was as much as anything, it wasn't just for the purpose itself, but the, the picture it was going to give of what God wanted to them to know about his own fire that he would speak and he would be using in their lives. And one of the places this, this fire was used was, was on this, there was this thing called the menorah. It was a seven-branched uh, seven candlestick that stood on, in the holy place. And they would light this from that fire that came from God. And he was showing them, I, I want you to know I want you to remember that from my fire comes, comes a wisdom about life, about how to live your lives in a way that other people don't understand, a, a wisdom that brings light, that brings uh, revelation, that comes out of my relationship with you so that your lives might be safe and prosperous and, and, and blessed. I want you to know about that fire. The other place this fire was used was in the, at the altar itself. In the altar the altar was used, this was this place where people would bring these sacrifices. And you, you think about what God asked them to bring. The best that they had. The firstborn, their prized animals, their first fruits of their, of their labor in their fields, the best that they had. And they would put these things on the altar and they'd just burn them to ash. And as much as anything, that was... God giving them a picture. It wasn't to appease God. God said later, he says, I'm, you're not appeasing me. I don't need this stuff. But he wanted them to have this picture. I want you to hear this. He wanted them to always have this picture of what sin costs us in this world. 
It takes the best that God could give us, and it will burn it to ash. That's what sin will cost us. But he also wanted them to know not just what sin costs us, but how God in his grace, in spite of how much sin can take, how God will continue, will continue to provide us with everything we need because of his love, because of his grace for us. He wanted us to know that we can trust him when he speaks out of the fire. So he was literally speaking to his people from the fire that he had given to them. And it was comforting, but it was uncomfortable. And he was not just saying, this is how things are. He also wanted them to know, this is who I am. I am the God who speaks and shapes out of the fire. So in the book of Acts, why did the Holy Spirit come up on come on them in that first day and show up as a fire that split out into these tongues of fire that stood over their heads and, and it, before he filled them. Why? Because our God is the God who speaks out of and who shapes out of the fire. He is a God who is like the fire. They, they, he was bringing to them and, and that they were, he was shaping them to be these witnesses, not just of themselves, not just of the best they could think of, but witnesses of him, right? This God who is like a fire. This God, he was giving them a message, and think about this. He's giving them a message that they're to take to the world. He says it's going to reshape the world. It is a message that is both comforting and really uncomfortable. And if we've been shaped by the gospel of God, the gospel of his kingdom, we have shaped by things that have been comforting to us, and things that have been really uncomfortable. Do I hear an amen? Right? Because just like Isaiah 61 said, he said the gospel is going to come. Jesus said, I am the one who has come and anointed in the spirit of God. The spirit who's going to show up like fire. But I've been anointed because the gospel is going to be preached. The good news is going to be preached to the afflicted. The healing is going to be proclaimed and worked in those who are brokenhearted. Those who are prisoners are going to be set free. And the word of proclamation of, of release is going to be spoken to the prisoner. And I am going to be proclaiming the favorable year of the Lord. There's comfort in that. But he said, I'm also saying, I'm also coming to tell you, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to bring like a sacrifice your lives. You're going, to have to, you're going to see some things that you thought were so important just get just burnt to ash. You're going to see as I clear the way to, to do my work in you, some of the things that, that you wanted to hang on to are going to be consumed by the fire because the Holy Spirit comes in fire. We are shaped out of the fire. That's what he does. So just like the followers of Jesus who were... They were gathered in that upper room, and, and here the Holy Spirit pours out on them. We too, the Holy Spirit is being poured out into us and on us so that we might be witnesses, not of us, not of our best idea of what life can be, not of, we don't want to put forth our greatest self. You know, this is uncomfortable for us to hear at times. Not even sure I wanted to word it this way, but Jesus didn't come primarily to make me great again. Me. Because I don't care what slogan they use in political arenas, but
But we have that slogan for ourselves so often. Jesus is here to make me great. That's not what he came for. Ultimately, yes, but it's not to make me great by my plans. Moses was drawn to the bush because why? Because the presence of God was seen there. People were drawn to the temple, why? Because the light and the fire of God was there. People were drawn to Jesus, why? Because the very life and power of God were seen there. And people will be drawn to us, not because I'm clever, not because I'm the smartest I can be, not because I have all the experiences that make me stand out in a crowd, but because the fire and the spirit of God is in me. People are drawn to God. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking for the best that I have to offer them. They are hoping for the God who has the best that he can think of for them. Amen? But for that to happen, for people to see that, sometimes things have to burn down. You know, it's funny, it's ironic. But actually, the the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus came in, and he pronounced judgment on that because he said, basically, this whole system has gotten in the way of people seeing the heart of God. And ironically, it was burned to the ground. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes like a fire. There will be nothing he lets stay in the way. Even things that he erected for our good cannot stand in the way of him doing his work in us and through us. Because we are people who are shaped out of the fire. No matter how uncomfortable that makes us feel, we are people of the presence of God. So how do we make room? How do we do that? How do we make room for God to make us into, the Holy Spirit to do his work and shape us into the witnesses of Jesus Christ? Not just witnesses of ourselves, not just witnesses of the best that this world has, witnesses of him. How do we do that? First, let the work of God's fire, let the work of God's spirit, let it be complete in you. Complete. Open up access to God in every area of who you are, of your life. Don't just give him the struggles and the challenges. Give him the joys and the strengths and the triumphs too. Hand it all over. Let it be what Romans 12 become what, he, what it calls a living sacrifice to him. Where everything becomes basically burnt up dead to you. It's no longer yours to control. You put it on the altar. Let God do with it what he wants. Let him empower what he wants. Let him dismantle what he wants to dismantle. But bring it. the question we need to ask ourselves is, is there any area in my life that I am holding out against God doing his comforting and his uncomfortable work of making me like Jesus? It's a hard question. It's a great question. You know, Sometimes we think of God's judgment as something where he comes in and he crushes stuff and he, you know, he's angry at us, so he beats us up. God's judgment is where he comes and he declares something about something that is absolutely true about this thing. This needs to go. We don't like it at times, but he says this needs to go. And we think of judgment as God wiping out people and cities and stuff. Usually judgment comes more in our life where he just walks into our life, he walks into a room and he says, you know what, this whole room, we got we to clear out all of this Furniture is bug-infested and it's just rotten and this is no good for you. We've got to clear this out. 
We're like, yeah, but that's my favorite, <laughs> right? Remember that I, I, several um, months ago, probably years ago at this point, I talked to you guys about those favorite slippers I had. <laughs> you remember that? Completely falling apart. It's like my favorite slippers. They fit my foot so well. Immediately, my wife and kids went out and they bought me some new slippers that year. So um, that all worked out good. But there are things like that in our lives and we need to say, God, am I going to let your work be complete in me Cross the board. Will I open up everything to you? We don't fear God's judgment, what he's going to pronounce, because we know that we live in his love. Right? We are those who are the focus of his love, so we do not fear. Perfect love casts all fear, casts it all out. So we let him determine what goes, what stays, because we are those who are being formed out of this fire. Second, let the work of God, let the work of God's fire be conclusive in your life. Okay, this is a harder one. How many times did God take something out in our lives and then we come in right behind him and we try and put it back in place, right? He removes the habit and we're like, oh, that was, that was awesome, but I miss it. So I'm gonna put it back in place, right? You guys, I've even seen this when somebody's been healed. I want you to hear this, literally. We prayed over someone miraculously, and this was not a small matter, miraculously healed, healed, physically healed. No other way for that to happen except God step in and do it. And they went back to living their lives in the same unhealthy ways that they had always lived their lives, and they brought the sickness back in. How many times do we do that? How many times do we try to rebuild what God has torn down or we try to tear down what God has built up, right? We don't like what God put in our, our lives. Let God's work, the work of his fire, the work of his spirit, let it be conclusive. Let it be final. Let it stand. Learn to reshape your life around what God does. Don't try to use God to shape your life the way that you want it. Don't say, okay, God, you can come in and work on this, this, and this, as long as you'll do this, this, and this. But you can't touch that, that, or that because I already got those under control, right? And he says, no, those got to go. Okay, I got to rebuild those because obviously you didn't hear me correctly, God, right? We have the... Let God's work, let his fire be conclusive. Third is make sure that the work of God's fire, let the work of God's fire, the full work of God's fire be communicated. Don't tell people half the story. When people ask you, what is God doing in your life? Don't just tell them the good parts because that's not the work of the fire of God. It's comforting, but it's uncomfortable. And people will be just as intrigued to hear about how God not only removed the things that were bad in your life, but the things that you thought were so good that ended up not being so good. And he replaced them with these things that you hadn't even imagined how God could do that. Tell people the story. We are witnesses of the God who is a consuming fire, which is both that comforting, but it's also very uncomfortable. So the question to ask ourselves is, do I tell people, do I let people know that total work that God is doing in my life? Do I tell them everything? Or do I just tell them the happy, exciting parts? Do I tell them the embarrassing parts? In James, it says we need to confess our sins to one another. A lot of times people think that means I got to come up with the darkest, deepest secret that I can come up with. A lot of times it's just saying, you know what? I used to do this, but God showed me he didn't want that. 
So he got rid of it. It was really hard. It felt like he was just upending my whole life. But man, look at where I'm at now. Because God is at work in me. Tell people the story. Tell them about the God who comes as fire. Tell them about the life that is shaped, the word that is spoken from, and the life that is shaped out of the fire. Amen?